This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com.
You're listening to From the Top. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. We just heard 17-year-old violinist Joshua Song from Northvale, New Jersey, perform Fritz Kreisler's Slavonic Fantasy, based on themes by Dvorak. I performed with Joshua on the piano. The young people we'll meet on From the Top today are exceptional as always. There's a young composer who leapt past two years of school and is now headed off to college at just 16 years old. A bassoonist who's a beautiful player, but also a serious athlete, and is planning to study neuroscience at Princeton. It's easy to describe our young guests as gifted or talented. What really connects them all is their tenacity, the sweat and perseverance that have gotten them to this point. The confidence that these artists bring to their music and to life in general has been earned through really hard work and discipline. And with that in mind, let's meet Joshua Song, the violinist and Jack Kent Cook young artist whose beautiful playing we just heard. Joshua, you have so much soul when you perform that piece. It brings back this sort of melancholy nostalgia of the Chrysler era. I loved playing with you. Thank you. So much fun working with you. So I know you come from a very musical family. Tell me about what it was like growing up with parents who played. My dad is a clarinetist and my mom is a flautist, but she actually took violin lessons to help me understand the technique and the form. She's Uh been a crucial part of my development as a musician till I was 12 years old. Every day she sat with me and, and practiced. So after years of having that, was it weird to suddenly have to be your own disciplinarian? Yeah, certainly. There was a transitionary period where she'd just leave me on my own. I had no idea what I was doing because right. my mom had been dictating my practice for years. Finding my practice habits, finding the way that I resonate with my instrument without mm-hmm. anyone's help, that was a big journey that I had to take. Yeah, for sure. Necessary part of growing up. Mm-hmm. So I know you also have a sister who plays, but she's also a power lifter. And the two of you got really into this. Tell me what powerlifting is, and then does it relate to music? So powerlifting is all about lifting as much weight as possible. Okay. Um, terrifying. It is. It's terrifying. But I think it really helped me with my physical and mental health, but also mm. gave me some insights, as you said, about my music. Yeah. What I noticed when I was doing that was this thing called like neuromuscular adaptations. Okay. Powerlifters, when they don't lift for a certain period of time mm-hmm. and they go back to do a, a certain lift, say it's a squat, then they won't be able to do the same amount of weight. And the reason why is, isn't because that they've lost muscle. It's because they've lost the neurological connection to that muscle. It's the mental right. pathway that they made to the muscles that made them lose the efficiency that they need to get the weight up. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like the power of the mind. Yeah over the pure yeah. physical development of muscle. And do you feel like you can think that way now when you approach the violin? Yeah, I think so. Like people talk about muscle memory. Your brain creates a pattern to a certain muscular path. When you don't practice for a certain period of time, yeah. that's that neurological connection that you've lost with your muscles, you know, habits of holding your instrument. If I'm holding right. my bow, you got to develop certain habits and you got to keep them there or else you're going to lose it, right? Gotcha. Obviously, you think about music and you think about everything from such an intellectual, <laughs> logical standpoint. Talk to me a little bit about how sometimes that's been a challenge when it comes to expressing yourself musically. Yeah, so there was a point in time where I kind of viewed music as like almost uh, a science. And the thing about science is you want to be efficient. And if you do that technically, then you mm-hmm. lose some of the musical aspect, right? Because if you're just looking for efficiency, then you miss, So let's say it's a forte passage, right? And you want right. to be really strong if you... Just focus on efficiency of your bow or efficiency of your fingerings. You can lose the expressive nature of, of what music is all about. 
So what have you been able to do to help get in touch with that emotional side, that artistic side? Imagery. Um, so Sibelius, violin concerto, the beginning of that concerto is, I like to imagine it as like a water horizon with a lot of fog in it. Mm. And that allows me to get into the mood of the music without having to like remember a million different technical hues. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Get lost in the imagery. Before we go, I have to congratulate you because I understand you've made a decision for next year. Yeah. Where are you headed? The Columbia Juilliard program. It's infamously difficult, but I have no doubt at all that you're going to flourish there. Can't wait to see where your future takes you. Josh, it's been such a pleasure. So good talking to you. Joshua Song, 17 years old, from Northvale, New Jersey. Now let's meet 18-year-old bassoonist Eleanor Ha from Upper Saddle River, New Jersey. Eleanor and I will perform the first movement of Lubos Slukas, sonata originally for cello and piano, but you'll hear it now on bassoon and piano. This piece was totally unknown to me when Eleanor introduced it to us, and I'm really excited to share it with all of you. Eleanor, whenever you're ready, let's take it from the top.
18-year-old bassoonist Eleanor Ha performed the first movement of Lubos Sluka's sonata, originally for cello and piano, but of course you heard it on bassoon and piano. I'm Peter Dugan. I was joining Eleanor at the piano. Eleanor, it's great to have you on From the Top. It's great to be here. So much fun to play that with you. That piece is haunting. Mm -hmm. And the color you get out of the bassoon is really dark and evocative. It's gloomy, you know? Is that kind of what you're going for with that? Yeah, in the first part. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I know you come from a very musical family, right? Mom is a pianist. Mm -hmm. Your dad used to play the saxophone. (laughs) So how on earth did you end up with the bassoon? So when I was younger, I played piano, following my mom's footsteps. And then I played cello for a period of time, didn't really like it as much. So then I started playing the bassoon in summer of going into seventh grade. I excelled pretty quickly. I've been playing bassoon ever since. It's interesting to me that you came to it from the cello because it's kind of yeah, like equivalent when, when registers. We were, yeah, when we were picking, because I wanted to play a woodwind instrument, so we were picking between clarinet, flute, bassoon, oboe, and bassoon's the only one with like bass clef, so right. we thought it would help. Ah, you already learned bass clef, and I was like, all right, I know the clef. Yeah. You seem to have a real connection with the instrument. Did it happen kind of instantaneously for you? I feel like it was pretty quickly that I really enjoyed playing it. I got into this Julia pre-college program going into middle school. So then I got to make friends very quickly around like woodwind and like bassoonists. So I think it also helped with that connection. Right. You got immersed. Mm -hmm. You mentioned your mom is a pianist. I know you perform with her a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm having to fill her shoes today. (laughs) Uh, What's it like making music with your mom? It's really great. Yeah. It's very convenient also. We're very close. Yeah. Also being able to connect with her through music is an added bonus. That's great. You're lucky to have that. Very lucky. August 2022 was the best month <laughs> of your life. What happened during that time? The summer of 2022, I got into this program called NYO USA, which is National Youth Orchestra. Mm-hmm. And from mid-July to August, I was with this group of musicians from all over the United States. Mm -hmm. We had two weeks of really intensive rehearsals. We were preparing to play Mahler 5 and Elgar Cello Concerto on this European tour. I got to experience so many places. I got to meet so many amazing people, make these lifelong connections. We were just making amazing music every other night on this tour. We performed at the Ravello Festival. We had a amazing sunset while playing Elgar. I wasn't in the Elgar, so I got to like listen backstage and there's like this like pink and blue and purple sunset. I mean, if this isn't enough to convince everyone (laughs) that we all need to study a musical instrument and join a youth (laughs) orchestra, I don't know what is. Another thing that makes you very happy, I know, is sports. (laughs) Tennis. And golf. And golf. So what do you love about these sports? I've been like an a fairly active child since I was little. Um, I made a lot of friends through playing tennis because you do like clinics. Playing for a high school team, you get to experience a new aspect of it because you have to win as a team in order to win the entire match. So it's not just playing for yourself. That's cool. And tell me about golf. What do you love about that? Yeah, so I started playing golf during the pandemic. Me and my dad would go into the range a lot at nights and I think the skills that I've learned by playing music basically my whole life, just like this idea of slow practice and like practicing until you get it right, it translates to golf as well because you have to 
really nail your swing and nail the basics before you can like hit a perfect driver like 250 yards or whatever so like i would spend a lot of time at the range just repeating the same small steps like 10 20 times right people who have studied an instrument definitely learn the hard way that you have to be patient and stuff doesn't just click overnight yep what are your plans for next year yeah so i applied for princeton university restrictive early action and i Got in. It was Congrats. one of the best moments of my life, probably. Congrats on everything, Eleanor. <laughs> Thank you. It's really wonderful. And I so enjoyed playing with you. Thank you. Eleanor Ha, 18 years old from Upper Saddle River, New Jersey. Do you want to get a behind the scenes look at the making of From the Top? This season, From the Top is recording in studios around the country. We'll be visiting New York, Boston, Austin, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, and Philadelphia. And we're giving some lucky folks guest passes to watch our recording sessions in action. Visit fromthetop.org slash beourguest to sign up and learn more. Support for NPR comes from this station. And from the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency connecting young people with the arts in schools and in their communities. Learn more at massculturalcouncil.org. From the Doris Duke Foundation, which aims to support the well-being of people and the planet for a more creative, equitable, and sustainable future. And from the William T. Grant Foundation, supporting research to improve the lives of young people at wtgrantfdn.org. On From the Top, we get to meet young artists who have learned that their raw talent and intelligence, as impressive as those qualities are, are not enough to reach their goals. They already know that self-discipline and day-to-day effort are the keys to success. Now, let's meet Edwin Osorio, a 17-year-old trombonist from Ann Arbor, Michigan, who is no stranger to hard work and has overcome many challenges as the first musician in his family. He'll be performing two dances by Jean-Michel Defy with Susan Snyder at the piano. Whenever you're ready, why don't you two take it from the top? Thank you so much.
That was 17-year-old trombonist Edwin Osorio from Ann Arbor, Michigan. He performed the first of Jean-Michel Defay's two dances for trombone and piano. Susan Snyder was at the piano. Edwin is one of our Jack Kent Cook young artists. Edwin, you really showed off the full range of the trombone. You gave us all of the sweetness and also the intensity that that instrument is capable of. Bravo. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful to be here and be given this opportunity. Well, we're happy to have you. There are a lot of kids who come on from the top who come from musical families. Was that the case for you? No, I'm actually uh, the first person in my extended family to pick up a musical instrument and pursue it. And how does that make you feel, being kind of a trailblazer? For a long, long time, I felt really, really at disadvantage, really behind. Like, how could I ever catch up? How could I ever compete? My peers have had like three more years of private lessons or musical experience on me because their parents wanted them to start private lessons really young. But yeah, I never had any of that. So um, I really owe it all to interlocking to really help me experience all those things very quickly. But, you know, now I don't really feel that anymore. I don't want to say I caught up, but I feel really confident with where I am and where I'm heading in my musical journey. That's great. Tell me about the moment that you arrived at Interlochen. Had you ever had a private lesson at that point? So I had maybe one or two lessons before I knew I was going to Interlochen. And then before that, I had a couple mini lessons with my band director. But other than that, no, I really, really didn't. I barely knew what an excerpt was, if I was being honest. Let's go to another interest of yours outside of music, nutritional health sciences. Tell me what draws you to that and why is it important to you? Yeah. So growing up, I was really, really overweight and like struggling with a lot of other issues that were very common in my extended family. We grew up not so, you know, affluent. And so we didn't have Mm -hmm. access to quality food. A lot of it would just be my parents getting takeout when they come home from work from like 9 p.m. or something like that. Mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of like home cooked meals, especially in adolescence. And then when we were sent home from Interlochen in March of 2020, I had a lot more time on my hands. I went on my own personal journey of health. You know, there was a lot, a lot of struggle, I will say, you know, determining what works best for me. And I really just wanted to learn, like, the absolute facts. I thankfully can say now that I feel like I found that through, like, a lot of research and, like, trial I feel like I'm at a place with myself where, you know, that's something that I'm really strongly educated in. And I would hate Mm -hmm. to see anyone else struggle through something so, like, intimate with themselves. So, yeah, that's where my passion really started. It sounds like you are in a position where you could help other folks with this. You've mentioned that the Latino community is really important to you. Could you talk more about your identity and how it sort of shaped your own journey in music? Both my parents are immigrants from Mexico. They came here now like 21-ish years ago. I was born in Ann Arbor. I'd say it was a really, really unique experience growing up. They had just gotten here. They didn't really come from money. They came from, you know, really bad places from Mexico, which is why they moved. They were constantly working. My older brother, he would be the one to take care of me a lot. That was how it was for a good amount of my childhood. Like even applying to Interlochen was a bit of a challenge because things that Interlochen was requesting, like for financial aid, I really had to like 
dig it mm-hmm. out of them. It was hard, like being 14, submitting your own tax forms for like financial aid and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, even with all the struggles, I can confidently say that I had a really, really great childhood. They were able to send me the like a really great boarding school. We would always have like the best vacations. They would always save up money for those. That's great. Before we go, I've got to congratulate you on being one of our Jack Kent Cook Young Artists. What does it mean to you to be a recipient? I'm really, really eternally grateful for everything that From the Top has given me with this award. You know, I've been able to purchase a new trombone with the award. You know, I was a custom horn. I went to the Shires factory for a day. Being able to have this opportunity to yeah, buy a new horn, you know, I knew that was something that would have been an obstacle to overcome with my family. I'm just eternally yeah. grateful. Well, we're so happy to support you. And if that's how you sound on your old horn, I can't wait to hear you on the new instrument. It's going to be magic. Edwin, thank you for your performance and for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. 17-year-old trombonist Edwin Osorio from Ann Arbor, Michigan. You're listening to From the Top, and I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Did you know that From the Top posts short, beautiful videos of our young musicians every day? The series is called Daily Joy. Treat yourself to youthful inspiration daily. Sign up at fromthetop.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need. jkcf.org. From BritBox with Payback, a new original crime thriller from the creator of Line of Duty and Bodyguard, starring Grantchester's Morvan Christie and Ozark's Peter Mullen, streaming at BritBox.com NPR. And from ECMC Foundation at ecmcfoundation.org. Welcome back to From the Top. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. It's so great to be with all of you this week and every week, thanks to the generosity of Susan and Gerald Slavitt. If you're just joining us, we've been listening to young musicians who, even as teenagers, learned that hard work and commitment are the real tools of the trade. Now let's meet our next young performer, Madeline Zoller, an 18-year-old flutist from Hamilton, Ohio. Madeline, welcome to From the Top. Thank you so much for having me. What are you going to play today, and who is there with you at the piano? I am playing Henri Bousset's Prelude at Scherzo, and then at the piano, I have Miss Susan Snyder. Great. Whenever you're ready, why don't you and Susan Snyder take this piece from the top?
18-year-old flutist Madeline Zoller from Hamilton, Ohio, performed Henri Bousset's Prelude and Scherzo for flute and piano with Susan Snyder at the piano. Madeline is one of our Jack Kent Cook young artists. Madeline, it was a stunning performance. Such clarity of phrasing and articulation. Your double-tonguing is so clean. Just really impressive. Thank you so much. Obviously, that piece is very comfortable for you to play, but what about orchestral stuff? Have you gotten to fall in love with any symphonic works lately? Yeah, we just did American in Paris a few weeks ago. We did the suite. That was actually the first piece I ever heard the professional orchestra play. And so getting to play that was like a nice, sweet, like, oh, I did it moment. Yeah. You're one of our Jack Kent Cook young artists. We're super excited to help support your journey. It can be tough to pursue a career in classical music. It can be expensive. I know like, I could not have gone and studied music without scholarship help. I think it's definitely hard to be a classical musician if you aren't super wealthy. To go to Interlochen, I had to apply for scholarships, obviously, and then like appeal for more financial aid. And then I had to start a GoFundMe to raise more money. Yeah. And that worked. And that was great. And I'm forever grateful for everyone. One of the things that I and you know all of us from the top want to see, and I'm sure you feel this too, is a future where this field of classical music can be open to everyone. And um, it's a re- reminder why all of the folks who help support classical music and scholarships, they're really opening doors for people like you, for people like me, who wouldn't have been able to afford it otherwise. What are you planning on using the funds for? I actually just bought a flute. Wait, the one that you just Yeah, the one on? I just played on. Oh my gosh. It sounded like you've been playing on that instrument for a while. Like you seemed really comfortable on it. Yeah, I've had it for a little under a month. It's a Powell. And loving it? Loving it. Well, congrats. I'm really Thank happy you. for you. Before we go, what's the deal with cartwheels? Oh, I love doing cartwheels. There's actually a wind symphony piece that we're doing this cycle where I may or may not be doing a cartwheel. What? Um, Yeah. On stage. But other than that, out of nowhere, I'll just go, I need to do a cartwheel right now. And so because of this, I have convinced my theory teacher to do multiple cartwheels in class. I was like, I have to do a cartwheel right now. And then I did. And he was like, what is wrong with you? And then I, for the next 10 minutes, I was like, Dr. Childs, you have to do a cartwheel right here, right now. And then he did one. And he just did he it just in did front of one. the whole class. See, that's a great teacher. Well, if anyone could inspire me or any of us to do a cartwheel, it's you. You've just got such a wonderful energy to everything you do. And um, I'm going to go try a cartwheel in the privacy of my home where no one can see me. <laughs> You'll have us all cartwheeling all over town because that's just the kind of person you are. Thanks for being with us, Madeline. Thanks for having me. 18-year-old flutist Madeline Zoller, originally from Hamilton, Ohio, now studying at the Interlochen Arts Academy in Michigan. I just loved getting to know Madeline, and it's so clear with her and all the young artists on From the Top that talent is not wasted on the young. Our next musician is 16-year-old composer Lily Masudi. Now, I'm not sure if she knows how to do a cartwheel, but give her some snacks and a pile of music theory homework, and she's a happy camper. Lily, welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to hear your music. What? Tell me the title of the piece and tell me all about it. So this piece is kind of like 
bridging my very nerdy composer side and my like very emotionally driven composer side. It's called 2222. It was inspired by that weird date that happened last year, hmm. February 2nd, 2022. Like, was it supposed to be like the Groundhog Day of all Groundhog Days? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh-huh. so. But nothing special really happened. Yeah. And I was thinking a lot about that. And hence, I ended up playing with the interval of a second a lot. Nice. And just thinking about the idea of kind of tension that keeps simmering and never fully resolves. Cool. Can't wait to hear it. Let's hear it now. Here's 2222 by 16 year old Lily Masudi. Thank you. 
2222 by 16-year-old Lily Masudi. Performed by Isaac Erb on bassoon, Stephen Lamb on tuba, Greg Jukes on vibraphone, and Sergio Munoz on viola. Lily is from Cranford, New Jersey. She's here with me right now. Wow, that was unsettling. I think that's what you're going for, right? And what instruments are we hearing in this piece? Viola, bassoon, vibraphone, and tuba. Pretty unique ensemble. Yeah, I wrote this piece for the New York Youth Symphony. Dr. Kyle Blaha, the director of that program, like assigned this ensemble to some of us who had expressed an interest in writing for eclectic instrumentations. Nice. Um, but yeah, I was like really excited about the ensemble, honestly. Like it, it was hard, but it was really fun. A bowed mm-hmm. vibraphone. It's such a cool sound. So you just pull the bow across the top of the... You- yeah, they use like a bass bow or a cello bow. Gotcha. Yeah. It's really eerie and yeah, just this feeling of simmering tension. You mm-hmm. did such a good job of creating Thank you. that. Talk to me a little bit about how you got into classical composition or I guess what we would call classical composition because I know it was sort of a circuitous route. Yeah. So like my mom put me in like classical piano lessons when I was like five and I did those like until I was almost 12 and then I quit because I had gotten to a point where my teacher was wanting me to enter all these competitions and Uh I was like, but I'm a child and I'm stressed (laughs) and I just like wasn't finding enjoyable anymore. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing jazz and then that was like at the same time where I decided to do composition. So my last Mm. year of piano lessons, I had been asking my piano teacher to also like teach me composition with the plan to apply for the summer composition program at MSM. And then I met my private teacher through there. Do you still play jazz piano or how long did that part of your training last? This time last year, I thought I was going to apply to college for jazz piano and be like a professional jazz pianist. Yeah. And then I got into the summer composition program at Tanglewood. Oh, yeah. Um, So I'm a senior right now. So it was the summer before my senior year. So I kind of switched gears again and... Jazz is kind of on the back burner for now. I mean, the cool thing is that jazz is essentially spontaneous composition. That's exactly what it is. Like, yeah, that's what improvisation is. Right. I want to hear a little bit about your compositional process. Where do the ideas start? How do they germinate? That's a great question. I feel like I usually start conceptually, like I usually think about an idea or like an image that I want to convey. And then a lot of it is like very intuitive. I just like hear in my head and then I just mess around with it. And if I still like it in like a week, then it's like part of the piece. So I just kind of like write things down as they come to me. And when you say mess around with it, is that you (laughs) at the piano messing around? Not usually. I, I don't write at the piano. I, I find it like limiting that's um, kind of unusual, right? When we conjure up the, like image the image of a, of a composer, is like they're there yeah. at the piano banging on, right? No, like more accurate, it would be like me sitting in my bed at like three p.m. with like a giant pile of like dishes that are dirty and like. How did the giant pile <laughs> of dishes I end like, up in the bed? Because I procrastinate, and then I like take snacks to my room to work on my piece, and then the dishes pile up because I'm like sitting there like thinking about the piece. I see. I see. Yeah, it's not glamorous. <laughs> I think all composers have those 
sort of heroes or icons who mm. inspire them. And I've heard that one of yours is Julius Eastman. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about who he is and why he's inspiring to you. Yeah, Julius Eastman is, well, he was a composer in like around, I think, the 80s. And because yeah. a lot of I guess orchestras are kind of trying to like diversify their programs. His music is kind of finally getting the recognition that it deserves. Mm -hmm. It didn't for a while because he was a black gay composer in the 80s and he ended up dying homeless of AIDS when yeah. his music really yeah. should have been like on every program ever. Um, he also had quite a bit of success during his career too. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your own identity, like how that has shaped your interest in justice and activism mm. and also how that relates to your music. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of these like intersectional labels that you could put uh -huh. on me. I definitely am not the face of classical music. It's another one of the reasons that I'm not too into the label of classical composer because that's not the music of my heritage. I'm Iranian. Mm -hmm. um, Western classical music has kind of expanded to include everyone, but I'm hesitant to just like expand Western classical music to people of all cultures without also creating a space for people of all cultures to bring their classical music into the canon right. because okay great like thank you for allowing me to have a space and a voice in western classical music now can i show you my quote-unquote classical music that is equally complex and important to my heritage that also has a space mm -hmm, so i think it mm -hmm. has to go both ways yeah for sure and that it's more about like you said expanding the canon the argument people always make is oh well classical music has long forms and it's notated I think that's the reason people like look down on jazz compared to classical music because it's not overly notated. Mm -hmm. We could obviously go yeah. on about this forever. And, and yeah. it's clear that you and I see eye to eye on this. And let's not forget that you and I adore the classics too and that there's just room for so much. Right? For sure. And it's about expansion and widening this canon that we yeah. love. You're 16 and you're starting college, which mm -hmm. is unusual. Yeah. Um, how did you get to the point to be a 16-year-old <laughs> going to college? What are the sort of pros and cons of, of where you find yourself right now? Yeah, so I was like identified as gifted or whatever when I was little. And um, towards the end of third grade, it started becoming clear that like I wasn't being challenged in school. So my mom started talking to like the administration. I was able to test out of fourth grade and I ended up doing the same thing with sixth grade later on. I don't know. It was always really good for me because like I tend to get along with people older than me, like better than I get along with people my own age. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's like really scary to be like going to college at 16, but like I could have taken a gap year if I wanted to and I'm not. Mm -hmm. So it can definitely be seen as me like kind of rushing to have like a career and stuff. But like I think it also brings me a lot of like excitement and just pure joy. It's important to me that people understand you seem so grounded. Yeah, I feel like this is where I'm meant to be. Like I have my childish side, but I also think a lot about the world and like the big things that I want to do and I'm ready to just start doing them, you know? <laughs> Quite frankly, Lily, I think you can do just about anything you set your mind to. I really mean <laughs> Thank it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you. 16-year-old composer Lily Masudi from Cranford, New Jersey. I hope you all enjoyed getting to know these tenacious and hardworking young musicians as much as I did. Thank you to all of them for their performances, for their great stories, and their wisdom. And thanks to all of you for listening and spending some time with us. 
I'm your host, Peter Dugan. Please join me next week for more sublime music here on From the Top. Thanks to all the sound engineers who worked on today's program. Alex Palmer at CCM Recording Studio in Denver, Colorado. Mark Caterer at Falcon Recording Studios in Portland, Oregon. Kevin Carrillo at Sound on Sound Studios in Montclair, New Jersey. Michael Kohler at Interlochen Public Radio. And John Weston at Futura Productions in Boston, Massachusetts. From the Top is produced by Megan Swan and Abigail Desser. Sound design and music editing by John Escobar with editing and mastering by Rodrigo Cuenca. Our production manager is Amanda Roth. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. And from Dignity Memorial, helping families plan life celebrations now so their loved ones are protected later because nobody should have to plan for a loss while they're experiencing one. Learn more at DignityMemorial.com. This is NPR. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at FromTheTop.org. Hey, I hear you have a birthday coming up. Yeah, you... If you're listening to this, that means you have a birthday coming up eventually. And here at Life Kit, we want it to be a special one. Magic can happen and good luck can happen and serendipity can happen if we're open to it. How to have a good birthday, even if you're not a birthday person. That's on the Life Kit podcast from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.